Welcome to the What If Podcast with your hosts, Spencer Worth Davis and Ryan Copperood. Who cares? What's up? How are you today? I'm doing great, dude. Fantastic. Um, we have a guest in the room. A recurring guest. What's up, gang? Serial guest. Serial guest. All right. Tell, yeah. Tell Who them. leads in guest guest appearances? Um, you're going to be... Uh, you Mace. might be tied. I think you're tied with Mason after yeah, this you're episode. Okay, with Mason. So... So when you do take your sabbatical from life, maybe you'll have to do it here so you can be on a grip. We can do the first Skype episode. Ooh. Uh, Where are you going to be? Do you know? No, I don't know yet. Max is taking a sabbatical from his life uh, soon. We're all envious. You're going to kill yourself? (laughs) That's kind of what it sounded like. Yeah, don't do that. A sabbatical from life sounds really bad. (laughs) I guess maybe that was poorly phrased. Um, Max, welcome. Uh, What are we talking about today? Let's talk about genomics. Genomics. We're going to ask the question today on the What If podcast. What if Google knew your DNA? Uh, Ominous. Ominous. Very ominous. Have you seen um, Total Recall yet? (laughs) Look, maybe. (laughs) So what if I haven't? Huh? How about that? Man. I thought you were. I was actually excited for you to bring up a new movie I haven't seen. Gattaca! Oh, I'm sure we'll. I'm sure you we'll come across you a couple. Watch Gattaca? I have seen Gattaca. Okay, I have seen Gattaca. It's been many years. I'm sure we'll get into it. Uh, Gattaca becomes more interesting when you know more about this topic, which and, and when you're not like hormonal and 14 in biology class. Right. I think the last time anyone has watched Gattaca, they were a freshman in high school. You're not allowed to watch it after the age of 16. Yeah. It's like the giver but of Mac, movies. <laughs> the giver of movies. <laughs> I, do you ever wonder, like, was giver actually, The Giver actually a good book, or did it just somehow become this infectious trope of everyone's seventh grade? That I think after we graduated from high school, they just burned all those copies. <laughs> I don't think you could even read it anymore. Um, all right. So what if Google knew your DNA? What if Google knew your DNA? Okay, so let's uh, let's just let's just lay down what what a genome is or what genomics is, I guess, for starters. Like the the definition of genomics is a branch of molecular biology concerned with the structure, function, evolution, and mapping of genomes. Okay, and a genome is uh, like one's again. I think a genome is one's complete DNA. So the complete sequence of your DNA, and exactly. that is, is that unique to each individual? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. It's your thumbprint, like, of the proteins that build who you are. So your genetic thumbprint, if you will. Exactly. But okay. similar in the way that if I put my thumbprint down next to either of your thumbprints, our thumbprints would look very similar, but they are all... They're, in fact, unique. In fact, very unique. Cool. Don't we share, like, 90 between us as individuals? It's upwards of... 99% of our DNA or whatever is overlapping and there's slight things that make my hair I would guess it's blonde and much higher than that even word Max looks like he's looking for it you no know, <laughs> he's like I had this in my notes I somewhere. had this in my notes <laughs> so are we don't we share like 95 or more percent with other species um yeah absolutely Humans and chimps are in the 90s for sure. Yeah. So I would guess humans and humans have got to be well above that. I think we're even in the 90s humans. with some starfish? other... Starfish? Is it starfish? 
Oh, I was going to say rats or something. Uh, us and an orange blob are actually 99.4% the same thing. I do know that some mammals that we would not expect to have that much overlapping with, we actually have a significant amount of. I spent all my DNA time researching overlaps. how aliens visited uh, Atlantis and created human beings through genetic manipulation. So, Oh, we'll get there. Yeah. Oh, we'll I, get I, there. I can't chime in too much on any facts. <laughs> I'm just going to make shit up about aliens. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, what do you got, bro? You look okay. like you were hunting for something. Nah, not really. I All was right. just confirming a couple of things to be like, oh shit, wait. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't really know where to start. I guess we'll start with the Human Genome Project, which was um, like an endeavor, I believe, and that that began in like the '90s um, to map one person's genetic sequence to map one person's DNA. Do we know who that person was? That who who had their DNA sequenced? I don't, it, I, don't I didn't <laughs> I know, know, man. I'm no, sorry. No, I, I'm not. <laughs> Max is stressing I'm not so prepared. hard. Max, you don't need to stress. Don't uh, Bro, I think there was a tortilla chip in my tequila soda. Dope. I did not eat Why? a tortilla chip today, and I don't know where that came from. That's was it a, in the bottle of tequila? That's a strong drink choice. Was it in the bottle of tequila, in the glass, or some oh, combination? Oh, that's, that's not a mason jar. That's that's just where I store my tortilla chips. <laughs> I, okay, if I had poured a bunch of tequila over a bunch of <laughs> tortilla chips, I would You thought they were know. ice cubes, but they were just tortilla I chips. I would know, man. <laughs> How much tequila have you had already? I'm wrong dude? about a lot of things, but I would know. All right, sorry, Max. So I have no idea who I, I can I can look it up if you guys would like. I think it's probably Google Google. I think it's probably confidential. I would imagine I mean, they wouldn't have put that person on Mega Blast, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I do think it would be pretty interesting to be the you know, the patron saint of yep. human DNA. So well, yeah, explain to us what it was, I guess. So yeah, and the the first this first, I mean, because do you have the DNA wiki page pulled up? I'm try, I was trying to see who got their DNA sequenced. But okay, I, I'm not able to find it yet. I mean, like a, a a single person's DNA is like such an insane amount of data, and I actually don't even really understand how they sequence this individual. But the first, the first, uh, the first genome. It took 15 years to sequence and cost over $3 billion. To, and that was the purpose of the entire Human Genome Project, right? Correct. Was to do that one sequence of one individual. Correct. And the reason, actually, I think it's kind of a good time to talk about this, is that now um, a sequ you, you can get sequenced in uh, a much shorter amount of time, and it, it costs about $1,000, which was kind of always a goal they were going for. It's actually an example that uh, Ray Kurzweil uses when he talks about the uh, the singularity and the techn the technological singularity. He uses the example of how long it took to human the or sequence the human genome the first time, right? Relative to how easy and how cheap it's gotten now, and then that was what in twenty years, basically. Yeah, I always like the the other one I like that I think is overlapping is from the Wright brothers' first flight to us landing on Man the moon, moon was yep. 60 whatever four or five years oh three to 69 right was the moon landing yeah so yeah. 65 60 i feel like we've years. talked about that before probably it you all comes full circle no on the podcast i guess we oh have, really yeah or have we just had that maybe conversation we got, in real it life got edited enough? out i haven't listened 
don't actually listen to your guys' shit. <laughs> He's just, I don't listen to mine. I'm living it. I'm living it. <laughs> He's uh, too busy trying to be the most popular guest of all time. Yeah. So what did what did we learn from doing that, from sequencing someone's DNA? Okay, so like one person's DNA is not that helpful. Um, but when you can start to compare many different sequences, you can start to... Um, like look at specific, you know, differences or mutations in DNA that similar people share. So, um, you know, for example, like if you look at people who have a high predisposition to, um, diabetes, let's say you'll find like a lot of similarities within their DNA in like specific places. Hmm. And the way this has now started to to accelerate a little bit is, um, so they, I don't know who they are. I think it's a company called Decode in Iceland. Okay. And they sequenced all of Iceland's DNA. Wait, what? The entire population yeah, of Iceland which, has been sequenced? How big do you think Iceland is, by the way? It's got to be... In the millions, if not tens of millions of people, right? It's 300,000 yeah, people. Oh, I, was I thinking of Greenland? Nope. Greenland, Greenland definitely does not have 10 million people in it. I don't know anything. Greenland is probably like seven. Yeah. <laughs> does that include polar bears? or <laughs> No, people population. Okay. Three, three polar bears. <laughs> the bear population might be in the millions. I thought it like things on Greenland, seven. Okay, so, so you said 300,000? Yep. So, and the reason it was such a good... <laughs> What is Greenland? The population of Greenland is 56,000. <laughs> See? Told you we're not experts at anything. Uh, Proved it. Um, so, yeah. Iceland Iceland's like the perfect place to do this with because it's like this like real homogenous society. They're pretty isolated, right? They're isolated. There's not a bunch of immigration or emigration from the island. So, it's like this really, in terms of like... What the he, what the genome project was trying to do is it's like really pure gene pool mm-hmm. they're working with, and um, so it's a lot easier to detect these these anomalies, dif- anomalies, sure, similarities, DNA. Yeah. Or, and similarities. I course. guess it would make sense that if you have a ton of people who are super similar, whatever is different is going to stick out a lot more than if you were to take a cross section of the American population. You have people from all over the country and. All over the world. Oh, yeah, especially the American population that's, like, super diverse and, yeah, like... and huge. And huge, yeah. And yeah. spread out also. I'm sure we would have tons of tons of overlapping inconsistencies in our DNA as a populace. Okay, cool. So they sequenced the entire... Was, was everyone obligated to do this? Or was it, hey, if you want to, we're going to sequence your DNA as a citizen of Iceland? I don't know the exact details. I know it was definitely controversial but i think everybody has their dna sequenced who's in iceland cool so and like when you do that you start to get uh you start so you know what diseases a person has or what care what what traits they have you know from their eye color to you you have all their medical records though anonymous yeah and then when you can start to compare everyone's dna with conditions they have or traits they have and you can start to pick out where these come from so like people talk about it like um like uh basically putting together the like the toolbox of diseases like 
simply being able to identify what parts of your DNA uh, relate to parts of your character. Interesting. So essentially, so essentially, you look at a big enough group of people, you find all the inconsistencies, and then you see how those are reflected in human beings, and you can identify the exact locations in people's genomes and then in their DNA that correspond with those diseases or abnormalities or what have you, right? Yes, am I, exactly. Am I tracking yes. thus far? All right. So what what do they do with all of that data? Have they like... Have they been able to make any big breakthroughs in terms of medicine or anything like that since... Because they, they finished this project when? Somewhat recently? The Well, the Human Geno- Genome Project got funding under Clinton and kicked off in 1990, I think. Right, yeah. The, the Human Genome Project finished in 03, I guess. I was, in uh, but was the, this project oh. in Iceland, was that more recent? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Okay. Um, I should know that. Yeah, I mean, I would, because the, the Human Genome Project was the first time that a full human genome had been sequenced. A anywhere, single right? one, yep. So obviously this must have been... It's c- definitely more recent. Yeah. And like, you know, just simply dealing with the data uh, is, I think, like challenging. But that's also another like field that's catching up, not only like sequencing a person, but like being able to understand the data problem. Totally. Right. And to be able to store it. I mean, even just thinking about that element, like, Today, buying a terabyte of data on a hard drive for us costs 60, 70, 80 bucks, you know, to buy a, I mean, the first digital camera I ever had when I was in high school had 212 megabits of memory on the card and it cost, you know, 450 bucks or whatever. That's changing so quickly though. I mean, that that doubles every six months. Right. You know who's really good at storing huge amounts of data? DNA? Well, actually that too. (laughs) I you definitely know who's don't... second behind human DNA. What Google? <laughs> right, huge amounts of data. <laughs> Petabytes, right? Isn't that the biggest one we have? That's a word. Petabyte. What does that mean? Uh... <laughs> cool. It's just the biggest. Good Google it. <laughs> it's just as far as I know, it's the biggest, um, like currency of data that we have. Whatever it you... is, one thousand terabytes. Okay. Okay. Google's got a lot of petabytes. I'm sure. I'm yeah. yeah, I would imagine they do. Um, all right. So Iceland got sequenced. The Human Genome Product Project was the first one to do it. Yeah, and so, I mean, the punchline of of all this, or the punchline of of this study, is that uh, a doctor, Eric Lander, thinks in five to six years we'll basically have a complete catalog of human conditions. As in, like, we'll know where to look for specific traits, conditions, mental characteristics. Not necessarily necessarily that we'd be able to do anything about them, but that we'd be able to identify where they are in our... Yes. Okay. So we have the catalog to look at. We kind of understand, you know, how our DNA works. We can isolate each one of these things at least. Level. Okay. And just to clarify, is that just because we just keep testing more and more and more people and keep pairing up those inconsistencies and finding the abnormalities and where they lie? Yeah, I would assume both, that you're getting better at understanding the data Mm -hmm. and you're getting more samples. Sure. Because of companies like 23andMe. Yeah, I I don't know the nuts and bolts behind like the corporate side of this, who shares what data with who, but... Right. But I'm just saying... 
Oh, I see what you mean. You're saying whether or not 23andMe, when they sequence your data, is like, we will add this to an anonymous DNA bank that we have kind of thing. They say no, they won't do that. They do I'm pretty they sure won't. 23andMe is adamant about that. But part. I'm sure somebody out there is sharing that information. Yeah. Whether they are or not, there's no way that everyone is keeping that private. I wonder if you could opt into. You can, absolutely. Like, like, uh sequencing companies are being you know they'll say like we need people with parkinson's to come in and like and let us sequence them yes whoa um that makes total sense mm -hmm. i just had not had that thought until right now yeah even even three hundred thousand people is like a pretty good chunk of the population sure though to your point it's a good starting point for finding abnormalities among a very similar group of people, but I can't imagine that Iceland's 300,000 people from a universal scale from the whole world identifies a lot of of other differences. No, I'm just saying if we're able to do 300,000 without too much trouble, oh, right. then we can't be that far off from doing however much we want. It just being part of the census to have your DNA sequenced. True that. All right. Uh, uh, where does that where does that fit in with like what uh, CRISPR is doing? What is a CRISPR? What's CRISPR doing? CRISPR stands for. Uh, let me pull up my notes because it's a lot of words. Is this going to be aliens again? No, this is the most legit science I think I've ever presented on this show. Actually, <laughs> there are so many conspiracy theories that go along with this, but I'm not even going to get into them right now. This is bro. This is going to be your new intro for talking about aliens on the show. You're just going to be like. So how does that relate to what CRISPR is? And everyone's going to go, I have no idea what you're talking about. And you're going to, well. I'm totally not about to talk about aliens. All right, cool, cool, I cool. absolutely will later on in the show. <laughs> right now, I'm you know we wouldn't be mad absolutely not talking about aliens right, or conspiracy theories or cryptids or anything. <laughs> As you do talk about all But when things. are we sequencing Bigfoot's DNA? Uh, CRISPR stands for Clustered Regularly Interspaced Short Palindromic Repeats. C-R-I-S-P-R. No wonder you had to read that. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of words. Uh -huh. uh, it is a naturally occurring defense system that was first found in bacteria. Uh, I'm not going to really pretend to know how it works, but it's uh, using CRISPR, it's theoretically possible to modify your genome. So to, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, to identify a, a, a specific part of your genome and go in and remove it. So if we were to locate where Parkinson's is in the human genome, we could go in and just edit that gene that's responsible for Parkinson's or remove that gene altogether. So this is being done already, right? I mean, it's not, CRISPR... on, not on humans. Well, the only, oh, you mean alive... Right now, we could go into Spencer's genome. We could see and that knock I'm, out your Parkinson's as you're alive. Right, but this is that's, happening in early stages of human life. Uh, right? I guess I'm not aware of that. Maybe so. In this is one of the articles I found as we researched deeply into this to scientific topic uh, from early 2015. And um, there were 
a couple of scientists and a gang of helpers at uh, Guangzhou, or excuse me, uh, the university in Guangzhou, China. Guangzhou? China does all the crazy shit with total disregard for ethics. It's, yeah, I man. Love they, they have all the money and none of the ethics, and they just do whatever the fuck they want. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Uh, they performed experiments on 86 human embryos. This is from a CBS News article uh, called Designer Baby Controversy, Scientists Edit Genome of Human Embryo. And uh, basically what they did was they threw out however or whatever we know were able to identify this specific gene called HBB, which causes a fatal blood disorder known as beta thalassemia. And they literally cut out the bad piece of gene in the embryos that showed it and replaced it with a good one to eliminate that disorder in the embryos before uh, before they came to life. And there was, as far as I was able to find, this was the first instance of this being actually executed like successfully on human beings and sparked a lot of the, this could happen with Huntington's and mm-hmm. cystic fibrosis and certain cancers. And I think it would have a ton of, uh, <clears throat> a ton of applications with other animal species and with plant species too. Yeah. I mean, I, not to hijack the conversation, but no, I feel like we should necessary. kind of like yeah, yeah. S- save this because this is like really getting into the interesting part. Kind okay. of save this for a little bit later. Okay. Because like we won't get it into does designer blow babies up. yet. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing. I mean, we can keep just like no, cruising through, but that's dude, like when it starts to get super interesting I and totally like super sci-fi. All right. Let's keep, let's keep laying, make sure, making sure we got all the groundwork out. So, okay. So like just like what why are people doing this or like what benefits could we see from this sequencing dna exactly okay i mean like right now you can find out a bunch about your heritage your what's the word i'm looking for your uh uh, like ancestry or like you know ancestry.com right right (laughs) ancestry.com Are they sponsoring this episode? No, but I'm just What's saying. What's Ancestry.com? You're just saying your Ancestry, right? Like you're, uh, you're looking for the people who came before you and what you know about them? Yeah, you pay them 200 bucks and they'll tell you what continent you're from and, and who, your, who your people are and all that stuff. And like your racial percent of your blood, your, exactly. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we can do that already, like super accurately, which right. is like interesting, I guess, somehow. Um, <laughs> the I think the, the money driving the whole research forward is... Um, pharmaceuticals obviously do we know that i mean do we have evidence of that i mean that is like the most i i'm sure there is evidence of it sure. pharmaceuticals in in what sense like, like what, what would the, be like, the benefits or like the the health industry is driving sure. this research forward sure why chemo now i guess would be a good example is like that's like our best way of like fighting cancer as a disease mm-hmm. which is like essentially like a cellular poison, I guess right. you could say. And yeah. you're just hoping you kill more of the bad cells before you kill the right. good cells. Yeah. Right. Where um, I think the hope is that once we have this catalog at our disposal, you will be able to like use medicine to go into the DNA and affect the certain building blocks of you. You know, like, like certain proteins or the certain part of your DNA. Um to me, that that feels like counterintuitive to the the model that pharmaceutical companies tend to tend to follow, 
Like if you can go in and alter my DNA in a way that I just don't get cancer, what, how does a pharmaceutical company benefit from that? They benefit from me being sick for as long as possible. But, but don't you think too, though, that they're probably having the conversation of like, this is going to happen. This, I mean, it seems like starting in 1990, people probably knew it was imminent. And by the time they actually successfully did it in 03, they were like, oh shit, it's upon us. And now I can put 400 bucks in a, in a check and send it out and with my hair in it and it comes back to me. I mean, That's I feel like so that, many steps removed from curing cancer though. I feel you. I guess all I'm trying to say is that from probably a ways out, they've been looking towards it, knowing that in some ways this is an imminent scientific possibility and they probably want to be the ones who can do it and not be the ones who can't do it. Because then if, if you have two choices, I can either give you sustained rounds of chemo for two years or as a, as an 18 year old, we can go in and get rid of all that shit for you for a very significant, yeah, I pay I'm like sure price. 10 times the amount to take a pill and have my cancer be gone. Then yeah. If I could give you 200 grand as an 18 year old and know that there's no chance of me getting some natural form of cancer in my lifetime, that would be, that'd probably be something that those companies want to get get in on that income stream corner and try and monopolize that. Right. Especially since they're already pouring so much money into that research and stuff, they're probably like, well, we better try to have a lead on that if possible. Yeah. It just seems like there, there's so much time and money in ingrained into the old way of doing things. For sure. That would be, if that change happened, it's not going to happen quickly. Yeah, definitely not. And it's definitely in opposition, like you said, to, I think, the existing model. It's not, it's, it's, the, it's the opposite of treatment. It's prevention. It's, yeah, like you it's look the, at the most specific prevention we could possibly imagine as a species is, is seeing that it could happen to you and killing it before it does. Like using the, the auto industry as an analogy, we've had better technology for decades and no one, no one's acted right. on it because there's so much money to be made by not. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a good, that's a really good analogy, definitely. Um, just just because the tech is there to me doesn't necessarily mean that we we would actually well, be able to access it. And I don't know that like necessarily like Pfizer is funding this research, but I think like at least with the intention of this is the real world monetary application yeah. for what we're yeah. looking at. And, and it's I def- what's driving I get it. That. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm sure it's very political and there's lots of asshole lobbyists involved in <laughs> right. this entire thing. Trying to steer well, that. And, and that would all accelerate the day that somebody proves they can actually do any of, of these things. Cause right now it's purely hypothetical still. Well, except for the babies that don't have that blood disease in China. Yeah. I also just don't necessarily trust news like that, that comes out of China. Sure. But I yes. mean, I guess, you know, they did it to embryos in 2015. So there's also the whole we can't speak to whether or not those babies are going to get that blood disease because right. they're embryos right now, right. which is also an interesting element of this that we might not know how well some of these sort of things work or don't work. I was so, just saying, I don't I don't totally trust the look at these cool things we can do news stories coming out of China. As being like factual, sick China bird, bro. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you. Do you have um, any listeners in China? Um, not yet. Yeah, you don't really have free internet in China. No, so I was going to say, can, really they, get there. can they even get to us if they want? I don't want think it? so. So fuck them. No, no, you need a what do you call it? V- just VPN? Kidding, no. VPN Tor. 
Yeah. It was crazy. I was in China for like 48 hours and I like couldn't access any of my shit. I was yeah. like, this is an outrage. Yeah. <laughs> Can't listen to my podcast. Yes. You couldn't even hit up Twitter or like. No, definitely not. No Snapchat, no Gmail. How do they do that with the app? Like, how does the app not work? I'm also not a qualified to speak on this. Servers. Yeah, I mean, this, the, oh, the app like opens right. and so, then it just doesn't do anything. Man, China. Mm-hmm. Not nice. But they do have this thing called WeChat, which is like every app we have put into like one chat. It's super lit. It's like your Facebook and Tinder and Snapchat and Yelp and like <laughs> every time I was like, well, why can't you like use this app? And they're like, well, no, WeChat does it. I'm like, shit. Shit. That's a good app. Nice That's job. not really the point. But. <laughs> leaving, leaving Yelp reviews for your Tinder dates on Facebook. Whoa. That's like mm-hmm. four levels of inception. Okay, um, so we're gonna get fucked by pharmaceutical companies in a different form down the road. Probably. probably. Hopefully, we get more fucked with better results, though. All right, I think that's, that's promising. The goal. <laughs> honestly, honestly, it's been my goal for years. Yeah. I, in my mind, I was like, that's a bummer, and then I was like, well. It is better though. I mean, demonstrably, if it if it works, it's better. Yeah, man. Um, why don't we let's take a quick little break and we'll come back after break and dive a little deeper into designer babies and X Men and Gattaca aliens and, coming to talk to the Atlanteans and maybe manipulating their DNA to make human beings and just eh? maybe some of that too. Uh, we'll be right back in a second with the Bullet Podcast. We want to hear from you. Send us a message. Email hi, that's H-I, at whatifpodcast.com. Or leave us a voicemail at 612-246-4614. And now, back to the What If Podcast. So Max and I were just talking while we were on pause about the money, right? Like the fact that people are investing a ton of money into this. So, you know, the human genome project itself was a grip of public money. I mean, billions, literally billions of dollars over the course of 13 years in multiple different countries um, that put that original sequence into the public domain. And now there's these health companies and medical companies who are investing tons and tons and tons of money into, um, you know, what they can learn and what they can do with this information. And I guess what we were talking about is where the value is now, which I think is kind of an interesting part of this because I don't know, like take 23andMe, for example. And like, if y'all want to advertise on here, I will completely change my opinion at any given point. (laughs) But I don't know why giving 23andMe... I don't, how, how much is it? Is it still like a G bar to do it? You, you oh, can damn. do one for no, no, no. You can do one for seventy nine bucks or one for two hundred, and one gives you more or less information essentially. Exactly. Okay. So if I throw three hundred bucks at twenty three and me, and I know a bunch of stuff about my it's it's seventy nine or one seventy nine now. Okay. Wow, that is not billions of dollars at what, all. What, the seventy nine is just uh, your ancestry. 
Uh, get oh, a, really? Get okay. a breakdown of your global ancestry by percentages, connect with DNA relatives, and more. The 179 is health and ancestry. E. Get an even more comprehensive understanding of your genetics. Receive 65-plus online reports on your ancestry, traits, and health. So that, I, that might get into your uh, propensity for certain health issues or totally. whatever. Okay, but so here's my question is, you know, I guess, I don't know, if if you have... If you have a genetic predisposition to uh, lupus, let's say, mm-hmm. or um, I don't know, I think the example I used when we were when we were off air was uh, leukemia. You know, wh- what does that do for you as a person? Or Parkinson's? What does that do for you as a person? Like, what did you buy with with your two hundred dollars, one hundred and seventy dollars? What did you buy to know? that you have a genetic predisposition to Parkinson's? Well, I guess it would depend on the, the disease because maybe, maybe there are certain things that you could, through diet, exercise, various life, lifestyle things, maybe sure. you could prevent or lessen your chances of. Diabetes. Yeah. I, cancers. I've, like, it's funny you say it like that because I haven't, like, had my credit card out, but I've definitely, like, thought about pain for 23 and me because I'm like just fascinated by this topic. Definitely. And um yeah, I mean so there's like I, there is some what am I trying to say? Like is this not interesting at all to you guys? Like would oh, not it absolutely be is. because like you're saying I, Spencer like a lot of this stuff is like environmental too. Mm-hmm. And like if I, you know, no, I have a high predisposition to like heart disease. That doesn't mean I'm getting heart disease, but it does mean I can like make better decisions in life. And and I think, well, Ryan, to what you're asking, it's just having a an interest or a fascination or a curiosity isn't enough to really warrant uh, growth in this field. You know, and no one's going to be dumping billions of dollars into this just to find out where their relatives are from or if they're 20% more likely to get heart disease. Sure. Uh, I think a lot well, they of... They kind of are now, though, aren't they? I mean, with 23andMe, like, there's a lot of I people I guess I don't know just... how much money is actually changing hands. Sure. Um, I mean, I know I, where it's headed. Right. I think I think it's down the road when you can then actually do something about this from, a from you know, whether it's through something like CRISPR where I can go in and edit or just remove those genes. Yeah. Then that information is hugely valuable, and oh, for for definitely. The, for in a big data sense, I think that's where you're really going to get the most value out of this is right having the this catalog, these stores of information where we know every genetic uh, defect that there could be, and where it's likely to occur, and in whom it's likely to occur, and right. what to do when it occurs. Patterns over time. Yeah, I think the the big data aspect is really where this is heading. I completely feel you, and I, and I feel you on both accounts. That both the big data aspect and the um, the the actionable information aspects are both totally totally valuable things. And and maybe maybe to your point, Max, at this. Maybe this speaks to my personality as well, but you know, when you say you could have heart disease or you could not, but you could go, you know what, I'm going to run that fourth day a week instead of only two or whatever, just to make sure that I try to try to beat that back. But in my mind, I feel like I'm also potentially paying for a piece of knowledge that I have absolutely no 
physical impact over, and then mm. that's just a dark cloud that sits over me as a human being, as a as a 29-year-old dude. Like, I got a lot of life ahead of me, and if I'm going like, okay, cool, so I have like a 70% chance I'm going to get Parkinson's one day. All right, that's terrifying For and sure. makes a lot of shit it's stuck not- between now and then in my brain, I think. It's not fun and games necessarily, you know, or yeah. even one that 23 and me tells you is like, if you could be like what your likelihood of balding is, even so, that would be like a total mind fuck, you know, yeah. be like, God, what the fuck is going on here? Like, yeah. so yeah, I, it's not dude. side note on that. I remember I had a, I had a bio teacher in middle school who his whole thing was, he had everybody in the class raise their hand and go, Okay, if your mom's dad, okay, so your grandpa on your mom's side is bald, raise your hand. And now all the kids in class were like thinking for a second, going like, yeah, okay, I know that grandpa, and raise their hand. Mm-hmm. And then after all the dudes had their hand up in class, we're like eighth graders, the most savage of all fucking <laughs> eighth grade boys, like the most savage people in the world. That teacher goes, did you know that because your mother's father is bald, you all have a 75% higher uh, predisposition to being bald than your other classmates around you? And everyone's like, oh, you're going to be bald. Oh, cue ball, you dumb. And I was like, that's the most evil thing you could do to a kid is give them that thought in their head as a 12-year-old. Oh, shit, I'm going to be bald one day. And all your classmates around you start making fun of you and being like, ha, 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 baldy. And you're like, I have a full head of hair. <laughs> and you probably like I'm start 12. You like start balding earlier because, because of the stress, stress this is created. You're like, worried for your whole life now. And actually... That story, I kind of think, is not a terrible metaphor for the grander <laughs> picture of this whole sort of this this ecosystem. So, are we all kicking in sixty bucks so Max can get his DNA sequenced right now? I mean, I'm I'm interested, and we'll we'll I have you back immediate. to read the results on the on Ooh, the podcast. The some follow-up. some traits you report. Oh man, that would be that'd be crazy. I'm, I'll throw sixty bucks at that. <laughs> I will 100 percent throw sixty dollars at that. I gotta and we think come about that one. Your diseases, order order that shit right now. We'll give you sixty bucks. You gotta each. think about that one. Venmo, fam. Venmo. We could do it in this room right now. Um, uh, yeah. What the, what information do you actually get? The traits, that, or so they they do the ancestry. Um, they do. Uh, yeah, how much of your ancestry is related to Neanderthals? Oh. That could fuck with some people. That's, that's the start Whoa. of a roast fest right there. Um, and then, <laughs> yeah, they they tell you if... You old monkey. Your alcohol flush reaction. Um, huh? Your caf- like the caffeine consumption you should have. Like what you're more sensitive to. Really? And then you... Er, and then you... I think what I understand is then you, you're supposed to fill out a trait report that says if you... Uh, detect odor in your urine after eating asparagus, which Ryan can report to because he just ate some asparagus. I, I we both actually. just ate asparagus and both peed. Mine definitely smelled weird. <laughs> I can't vouch for yours, but I, to be honest, I didn't think about it. Huh. Maybe, you ate so asparagus like an no? hour after I did, though, so maybe that's it true. hasn't worked its way. Do you out ever yet. smell the asparagus in your piss? Um, I, like I feel like societally, I remember that being a thing, but I don't know that I've. I've, Probably not. I've gone guess. like, yeah, totally. That's a pretty personal question, unless you're going around smelling other people's piss. What do you mean? You said societally. Just like, do you personally? No, no, no. I'm saying I understand the societal asparagus makes you pee stink. <laughs> like conversation. I've heard that said before. Right. You but comprehend. I don't think I've ever, it doesn't happen to you. But I don't think it happens to okay. me. Okay. 
So that that is genetic. Same with like if you think cilantro tastes like soap, or if you think cilantro tastes yeah, good, is yeah. genetic. So and the, the Damn, things they so, so wait they ask you to report those you know, things because that gives I don't, them some more information or something. I don't really re- understand completely. It says trait re- reports, nineteen plus traits, and then it says asparagus odor detection, back hair, bald spot, bitter taste perception, cheek dimples, cleft chin, earlobe type, ear wax type. Eye color, earwax type, finger length ratio, freckles, hair curliness, lighter dark hair. I'm sorry, hair loss. Um, oh, photic sneeze reflex. Is that when you look at a light and you yeah. sneeze? Uh, red Wait, hair. Everybody have that? I thought that was no, animal, like no. instinctual. No. What? That doesn't work for me. Doesn't work for me, dude. It's bullshit. Whoa, it totally works for me. Are you kidding? Good for you. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't just I can't just stare at a lamp long enough and I'll sneeze. But if I feel like I have the vibe to sneeze and I do stare at a bright light, it'll totally help. Yeah, it doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. Whoa, I had no idea that was a genetic thing. So what? What are the like health based things? Okay, information that you would get. Okay. Again, I don't. Are you on 23andMe's website right now? Okay. Yeah. So, and then it says carrier status reports. Does 23andMe advertise for this podcast? We, we, they might. They might (laughs) They might if we talk nice enough about it. Giving them enough free pub for one episode. Goddamn. Well, they are like one of only a few podcasts that do it, right? Okay. Yeah. Just to like level things (laughs) out a little bit. So then it says carrier status reports, RSACs, um, Bloom Syndrome. Canavan disease, See, cystic okay. fibrosis. I'm sorry, time out. This is why I know this would be bad for me because you've already listed three diseases I didn't know I could have <laughs> and I might learn that I have them. And that's no, horrible. No, it's not going to tell you that you have them. It's going to tell you your likelihood of getting them, which is even worse. <laughs> okay, well, right, exactly. Sickle cell anemia. anemia. Okay. These, these, are, these are just ones I've like vaguely heard of. I couldn't even tell you what the disease is. But yeah, there's 35... Carrier status reports. Let me see if I can Whoa. see a sample report. Okay, so they tell this. you carrier status would mean that it's possible for you to develop that disease. That right? genetically you have Let's some sort here. of predisposition towards it or it's in your DNA somewhere. So the sample one gives you a positive one. It says, Jamie, you do not have the variants we t- any of the variants we tested. So you're like, oh, cool. I can't wait to get that news. Jamie's healthy as can be. Yeah, of course their sample report is like, yeah. you're good, don't worry about it. <laughs> Live a he- healthy, long hey, tell life. Hey, you're dying next Tuesday. Sorry, <laughs> bud. We'll, re- we'll give you a 50% refund. Yeah. Oh, man, they should do that. <laughs> if they find something gnarly in you, they're like, we got nothing for you. Hey, Mr. Burns, you've got 17 kinds of cancer. <laughs> Here's your money back. The one, the example here says, you have a chance of being a carrier for cystic fibrosis. And then it says, you may still have a 1 in 210 chance of carrying a variant not covered by this test. Cystic fibrosis is most common found That's most commonly found in people from Europe or Hispanic or Latino descent. That's extra fucked if they tell you you don't have cystic fibrosis. But don't worry, sometimes we mess up and you might still have cystic fibrosis. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan's like, I'm that one, dude. Of course I'm I am, I'm the one in 20,000. Of course I am. It's totally my personality. I'm also, I know this is probably a different episode entirely, but I am fascinated that they can make sort of low-key blanket statements like that where it's just people of European descent or Hispanic and Latino mm-hmm. percent or, or um, descent descent uh, are are high, at a higher propensity to have cystic fibrosis. They just, Great. just, just FYI. Like, Great whoa. segue though, because like what I was going to say is like, I mean, we have lots of prejudice in this society 
already, like based off skin Lot, color. Lots of made up cultural things. Exactly. Yeah. But they like what you just said, it is kind of fucked up to be like, man, if you're Hispanic, you're probably like have a better chance of getting cystic fibrosis. Like that is a blanket statement. But they like have the data behind it, you know. And some and, of those things have been known for a while. Like sickle cell anemia is way more uh, common in black people. Right. I've heard that before too. Slash now maybe a lie was born. I think it may. <laughs> I'm going to take that back because I don't know what I'm talking about. But think about the real life. Googly moogly. <laughs> yeah. Think about the, the, you know, real prejudice that could come if your if your DNA was made if, public, or if like an employer was like, "Great, we'd love to hire you. Here, spit in this thing." Well, oh shit, you have a ninety five percent propensity for alcoholism. Like, yeah, that, that uh, would be no kind thanks. Well, one of the things they say on the website is that they will not share your information with anyone, and that they follow the Genetic Information Non Discrimination Act. Whoa, shortened. Whoa, that's a thing. Shortened to Gina, which is. A brilliant uh, acronym. Smart. Smart. Yeah, the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act of 2008. Wow. I can't believe we have that. I'm kind of glad we did. Yeah. We're on top and of it. And it's been around for nine years, apparently. <laughs> right. Well, five but years it, after they did the... But it covers, genome. like, employer practices, uh, labor organization practices. Whoa. So your ability to be hired and or join a union. Is this international or national to the U.S.? This is a, a, a U.S. document. Whoa. So it's through the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. But, okay, and so... So they basically they're saying they, they cannot... It's to prohibit discrimination on the basis of genetic information with regard to health insurance and employment. So you could still fire gay people in America because they're gay, but genetically, if there's something different about them, Unless, that's trash. God, we're so trash at so many things in this country. Let's not get into it. <laughs> but yeah, for, there is protection, at least with regards to employment and health insurance based yeah. on Interesting. Uh, any genetic information that your employer may be privy to. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. But yeah, so like... I was trying to do 23andMe, and so I do know some of the criticism behind it because I was like, maybe I should research this a little bit before People I just like spit it. in this bottle and send it off. And there's a lot of connection between Google and 23andMe, partly because I think Google owns part of the company or Sergey's wife owns 23andMe some, or something like this. some overlap, some common interests. And Google, early on, you know, they were like, we're just trying to like organize the world's information for you guys. Like mm -hmm. we won't do anything with your, your information. And like, then fast forward like 15 years, like it's obvious that like the, the, the data is the value for Google, Absolutely. you know, not selling your information to anyone, but owning it themselves. And like your, you know, propensities online, your online self, like what you, well, and I think it's getting to a, a point that we didn't necessarily envision it ever getting to, too, with I, 15 years ago, we would not have thought that Google would have had access to our DNA or a full, you know, a full record of everything we've ever said into our phone. Any, Ugh. you know, they can, they can recreate your voice. They can know your, your genome. They could know every dollar you've spent for the last who knows how long. You know, they they where you live, where you are at all times, based on your phone. 
Like that that amount of data, I think, is so much larger than anyone would have predicted five, ten, fifteen years ago. And when you combine all of that, it gets really scary. And they're not selling it, but they have all that data, and that's the value, you know. Yeah, I mean, also who. How would any of us know what they're doing with that data? Data most of the no, time. No, and how many terms and conditions have you said yes to that, <laughs> that right. could all, say whatever? Literally right. all of them. Everyone I've ever said yes to, I have not read more than a paragraph in. Uh, in 2007, uh, Sergey Brin and Anne Wojcicki. Uh, cool. She is the CEO of uh, 23andMe and a co-founder. And uh, in 2007, Sergey and Anne were married. And in that same year, Google invested $3.9 million in 23andMe, which is interesting because 2007 is, again, like kind of a long time ago for, for this type of stuff. Um, they are now divorced as of summer oh, of 2015. This should be a reality Wait, who, show. Who is Sergey Brin? One of the Google co-founders. Okay. Um. So the the article that I just found in in this uh just trying to figure out what Google's investment in 23andme was turned up a Gizmodo article from uh January of 15 that's titled of course 23andme's plan has been to sell your genetic data all along. <laughs> well, Today, yeah. 23andme announced uh. what Forbes reports is one is the first of 10 deals with biotech companies Genentech will pay up to $60 million for access to 23andMe's data to study Parkinson's. Hmm. Um, yet yeah, it to, just seems like that that temptation would be way too much at some point for any company that's working on this stuff. When Google can throw unlimited money at any of this, you know, how, how much did they invest into 23andMe? $3.9 million in 2007. 3.9? Okay. But... But 10 years ago, I'm sure the company has 10x in value, so I'm sure right. that was a... Google is throwing around billions like it's nothing on, a, you know, almost a daily basis. Right. I, yeah. And, and we, we never know what they're doing with any of that information that they have about us. You know, they're, they're not obligated to, to tell you what they're doing the majority of the time. Well, I think sometimes about, I don't know, there's a lot of complications that arise with search engine search engines in general you know like all three of us here have relatively unique names but what happens when the tim johnson in this state and the tim johnson in that state what if their genetic data gets randomly one of theirs is seen as the others like what if i don't know there there's an interesting there's an interesting problem that arises when you give a company like google who catalogs and searches everything, the authority and the domain to make these sort of arbiter decisions of what belongs to who or who belongs to what or um, what should be made available and findable and what they tank into the bottom that is, you know, on the hundred, when have you ever been past more than four pages in Google? Like probably never in your entire mm -hmm. lives. You know, what things sink below that. And if you apply all of those things to something as personal as our genetic data. No, yeah. I mean, like your DNA is fundamentally way more personal than your online behavior. Totally. You know, it's like 
Well, yeah, yeah. And, and the only way it can get more personal is when you combine it with your <laughs> online behavior yes. and your speech yes. and your fingerprints and everything else that companies have about us at this point. There's nothing, and your location. You know, Google knows where I live, how my voice sounds, how I spend my money, what websites I go to, where I go throughout the day. When you then add that to everything genetic about me like what else is there at that point? it's funny too because it's super fucked up like the more we talk about it, i'm like man that's jacked up <laughs> but we're so far behind it's like you know what i mean like it's so like this was all taken care of like years ago now we're just starting to be like wait a minute wait, what were they gonna do <laughs> yeah. right. well and and to your point spencer the thing that i also find really interesting is we always the the mental rebellion that I always have initially is they know these things about me. That's too intimate. It's too personal. But Google doesn't give a fuck about me. Google doesn't give a fuck about Ryan Copperud. Google gives a fuck about Ryan Copperud, Max Salim, Spencer Worth Davis, and then run the list. And when mm-hmm. they can put all of that together, you know, it, can you it, can you overlap a layer of people's medical history or propensi- propensities with other habits and things about them and then have another layer to advertise against. Yeah, for sure. Especially when it comes to advertising against people's greatest fear, which is fucking dying. Like if, if if your fear is I'm going to get cancer and you have some level of information about people of this ethnicity and this race and heritage. And I mean, what I just double said, but whatever, like, you know, all the things that they could know about you through your genome yeah, I mean the privacy aspect is is one part of it, and I think we're we're if we're not already past it, we're rapidly sprinting past the point of no return on privacy. Yeah, I think what is more concerning to me is the the le- level of manipulation you open yourself up to. Yeah, well, say more about that. Well, when you're talking about advertising and how specific you can get, but I'm just thinking of you know, outside of, of advertising, what other ways could you start manipulating groups of people at that point? A lot of them and bad ones. <laughs> and I can't, I can't speak to them specifically right now, but. And I, I, I guess I don't have a, a specific example on the top of my head, but I think there is inherently some danger to, even if it's not a, yeah, Google may not care about me specifically as an individual but if I fit into a, a fairly narrow category of theirs or, you know, this cross-section of, of a bunch of different categories. They know enough. Yeah. It, there might not be a, much of a difference at that point. Totally. Can, Go ahead. Uh, well, I was going to take a sharp left, so. Shoot. <laughs> uh, I don't know. What, what were you going to say, Max? No, no. I feel like Spencer's say? left is going to be a lot sharper left it's than, all you good. Think, <laughs> than you think it might be. Well. I just wanted to get into the the topic of uh, editing and removing and changing genes. Yeah, and what the future of that might look like. So one of the, we we kind of jumped into that at the beginning and then decided to save it to later and never really came back around. We did. We did. Are we are we good to talk about editing at this? You structure? guys can talk whatever you want. I, yeah, let's get into the let's get into the crazy shit because okay. I think that's point. where a lot of the you know, the potential benefits could be with all of this. I would agree with you. And I, I think to me, the editing is to your point of what's valuable. 
is that editing editing is where you know even though we're paying not we maybe max if we can convince them to do it paying 170 bucks to get their genome it's it's less for what you can really learn at this point and more where is that headed in terms of what can you do with that information once you have it what can you add or subtract or you know finagle if you will i mean i think this is where it gets really interesting too because it's like it gets sort of philosophical in this sense in many different ways but like nature versus nurture in the sense that like i have um a five per like a one in 200 chance of getting lung cancer okay but if i smoke two packs of cigs a day that number's like probably it's going up going up a lot uh and i might be in because of my environment or my habits much less healthy than somebody who has a much higher predisposition to this definitely um and that's what a lot like a lot of critics of genomics will be like i i guess like a lot of critics would would argue that uh genetics have less of an effect on diseases that you might acquire than environment does Mm -hmm. and we're being pitched that genetics is the key to all of this and it's helping money get pumped into the process sure where like a critic will say like your environment and how you treat your body is way more important than like what your DNA is saying. Mm. But that's, that's hard work. We don't want to, that's not the easy answer, right? It's it's much more, it's much nicer to think about. I could just remove the gene that's going to give me cancer rather than I have to maintain my body myself by exercising and eating well and not doing stupid things. And I also think to that point, not only are we looking for easy answers to, subtract the negatives but we as this population have always looked for easy answers to add the positives and i think that the editing stuff gets real interesting when you start to talk about the possibilities of not just saying can i get rid of my propensity to have parkinson's and you add in can i become a mutant become a mutant am i can i be wolverine am i an x-men now if i want to be or can i can I, I did want to talk about X-Men and I'm real glad that Spencer let me talk about X-Men, but, but, but I mean, but, but in all reality, if I want to, in the womb, make sure that my kid has 2015 vision right, and the, the whole designer baby shit. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and you know, the designer baby shit was, they weren't really designing babies. They were removing a blood disease from children. They're just printing fake but Louis V was, logos all over the space. Oh my god! Oh man! Hey, if we got good, if we got good enough at it, could we? Gross. Could we Louis print a baby? Oh, absolutely! It's called um, a tattoo, bro. Yeah, it's true too. But but that to me is an and is another very interesting element of this whole conversation is not just what can we get rid of, but also if you can get rid of things, you can also add things, and can you add? height and strength and eyesight and you know brain power i mean we're talking about we're talking about genuinely creating super i mean not i don't want to overstate it but superhumans i mean we're talking about the idea of of creating uh, yeah x-men x-men the, <laughs> it's like a enough smart people are confident in this that i will also be confident in it that like a baby is going to be born in the test tube, not born in test tube, but made in like conceived in a test tube for sure in our lifetime. Yeah. 
you know, and like, as far as like designer babies, like you can't, you can still just take the best of you and the best of your partner and, but you can make a better kid. But yeah, that, that still opens up a lot of possibilities that don't exist right now. Mm -hmm. And kind of godlike, you know, it's sort of like the, the Nephilim who came down and, uh oh. Genetically altered Uh-oh. the At- Atlanteans to create human beings. Oh, yeah. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I okay. I'm I'm fucking around with the alien stuff a little bit because I feel obligated to mention aliens, aliens on, on every podcast. But I do think it's interesting that almost every ancient culture has some myth about humans uh, interbreeding with either animals or some sort of god or angel or higher being that myth that story is present in thousands of ancient texts sure. and I, I can't imagine that it's a new idea with humans to to want to improve ourselves or to get rid of negative traits or to live longer or to be healthier or or all these things and like i don't know i, I just I, I wonder if this is the first time that that has happened or if maybe there's there have been other moments in our history where something along these lines has happened i mean not to like not to drop a hitler bomb but like hitler would have been one of the more i would say yeah the whole topic of eugenics is is definitely related related to this yeah i mean you know you and that's i think that's one of the the huge potential negatives that you that you open yourself up to when you start going down this path. Totally. Cause, cause, cause I think too, you know, to get kind of back into some of Max's philosophical stuff is what do we see as good? Right. You know, it's what is, it's extremely subjective. It's extremely subjective. You know, there are some people, while I know this is maybe too far devil's advocate, there are some people that would say that, you know, chance and, uh, suffering and randomness and chaos in our in our universe are important aspects of of learning and being and mm-hmm. creation and causing us to create and react to things and some of these elements of stripping out some of this stuff while seemingly i think attractive could also put us in a position where we lose some of those other sort of anti elements of what it is to be a human being. I think when you, you start eliminating suffering, you absolutely start changing what it is to be human. I, I can't say if that would be positive or negative, but it would definitely be a change. You guys oh. should watch Gattaca again, for sure. Because um, um, there will be this moment when there's like haves and have nots, and that will also be fucked up too. You know, right, where his older brother is is a test tube baby, and he's like a natural birth, and it's like... Yeah. Well, and and early oh, on, right. and his big brother is the best and yeah. stronger and taller. And I think it's with any like with any new technology, it's going to be really expensive, and who it's going to be limited to people who can afford to do it, at least at at the onset. And that's going to create an even bigger class division if it's not only do you have money and access to certain things, but now you're in some ways objectively a better human being than everyone else almost you know you start separating like a a different species almost eventually that creates it's more than the class issue at that point 
you're right. I mean, it is. It's literally, it's literally a second species at that point. Breakaway civilization, to use a phrase of all the guys who write books and talk on ancient aliens. And and also too, though that breakaway civilization is already sort of in effect. Did you see? Um, there was an article that came out recently in I think it was the Atlantic about the Silicon Valley uh, millionaires and billionaires, bunch of dudes who made a bunch of money off of buying, selling, starting, creating, working at big, important tech companies in Silicon Valley who are also huge doomsday preppers and have mm. bought plots of land and years storage of food and like created these total breakaway locations and learned how to fly helicopters and shit so that if anything goes into ruin or there's a mass solar flare or something fucking crazy happens, they can just fuck off and be like, cool, we'll repopulate, no problem, I'm going to be fine. And there's an element of that that is financially, there's financial preparation that sort of sets you off into the future that is completely similar to financial preparation that could set you off into the future just related to your genetic ability to uh, pay for and affect that. And also, sorry, and also if you have a bunch of money and the, and a lot of what this is is when your kid's in the womb, can you make sure that your kid doesn't have these things? Right. You can insure generation after generation in a way that so many people will have no ability to insure generation after generation. Old money and also old health. Yeah. Right. You'll live forever. Old money and new health. Yeah. Yo. Uh, <laughs> the mixtape. I just melted soon. into my seat. Uh, it's terrible. Uh, Ryan, did you ever see Elysium? It's only somewhat relevant, but I just wanted to ask you if you'd seen a movie. I'm pretty sure you haven't, because I haven't done that yet this podcast. Nah. Cool. <laughs> Have you seen Event nah. Horizon, bro? Nah. Bro, you ever see Waterworld? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Cool. Can I throw a quote at you guys? Please, Please. do. Um, so Freeman Dyson, who's a theoretical physicist. Is the Dyson Sphere named after him? I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't have any information besides this quote. But... Freeman right. Dyson writes, in the future, a new generation of artists will be writing genomes the way Blake and Byron wrote verses. Whoa. Dope. I feel like I just had this thought as you were saying that, that we see these things kind of happen in pattern over and over again in our society where things are too big, too expensive, too unapproachable, you know, almost unthinkable. And then slowly they start to happen a little bit, oh, we might do this thing. Oh, shit, we did this thing. Oh, now we did that thing a second time. Now it's happening more frequently. Now it's happening so frequently that it's in the hands of multiple people. Now... It's 180 bucks on the internet. It's 180 <laughs> bucks on the internet. And we don't, even, we don't even think about... Really, genuinely, I don't think we think about societally everything that it took to, like, make our way down that painful, expensive... Fucked up funnel. <laughs> Get from a 13-year, $3 billion project to a two-week, $200 project. I mean, it's insane, right? Yeah. The, that, and, and I feel like there are instances, you know, you could talk about just computers in general. You know, the first computer was the size of a building. And then now we all have one that's on airplane mode in our pockets that's more powerful than any calculator they ever had that was the size of a building. Is my phone supposed to be on airplane mode right now? It doesn't have to my be. My bad, dude. If it, <laughs> if, if it rings, we will not yell at you. And I guess all I'm trying to say is the more that we sort of democratize these, um, these technologies, I feel like also the more frequently we see people doing things with them that are, that are um, 
uncouth because they're in everyone's hands. So once everyone has it, there will inevitably be bad eggs in that group of everyone who will use them for ill in the same way that, you know, there are hackers that are trying to take down power plants in countries and and shit like that. If we have the ability to refine our human beings into exactly what we want them to be, there are people who will use that ability to make destructive human beings or or Absolutely. or bad thing things that are intentionally not necessarily stronger and smarter and healthier stronger will, s- smarter psychopaths right exactly yeah. or 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 any kinds of or any kind of anything that if it becomes so democratized that anyone can do it at will you can create a character or yeah i mean that's i've never thought about it that way it's sort of a bummer compared and then you to what start cloning about. Them and then you make your own army. <laughs> and then, are we Star Wars? Did we live in Star Wars uh, yes. now? Yes. And then they make a simulation, and then we're in a simulation. And 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 I and you're right, bro. I shouldn't have I shouldn't have gone right to that element with it because there is a total beauty in that too. That you could you know you could create something really beautiful. But I just think there's always another side to that coin. I think at, at its core, what makes this topic so interesting is that the stakes are so high. And there's so there are so many variables and so much uncertainty. Totally. Like the best case scenario for this is that we literally create a utopia. And the worst case scenario is that everyone dies. <laughs> Those are the stakes. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. And And man, what is crazy about that is that like I'm not saying we'll experience the utopia or we'll experience the apocalypse, but like it's fucking happening right now. You know, this well is not way theoretical to in a lot of ways. And yeah. uh should be a fascinating ride one way or another. For real. I hope I hope that we can knock enough genes that are bad out of the three of, the three of us in this room so that we just live long enough to see which one it ends up being. <laughs> Even if it goes sour, I want to be there to see it go I got sour. too many bad Absolutely. genes, dude. I know, right? Well, Max, uh, I'm going to give you 60 bucks, and I think you should... Yeah, I'll get going on the the twenty three and me. This can and be we edited have you back out. in a couple weeks. Oh, yeah. Man, that would be interesting. Uh, wrestle with it. Hey, wrestle with it all you want. We don't. You don't have to commit to it. But and if you don't want to, up. I I will. Will you, you? Yeah, absolutely. I would for sure do that. I would absolutely do it. Yeah, you pitching some money. Oh, okay. Because and, I'm just curious what this looks like. Yeah. It would be like kind of intense if like uh, I was just gonna say this. Could <laughs> we're be like, a- oh yeah, roll. This is gonna be fun. Like this is gonna be sweet. Uh, and then that's and then, good radio if I've ever heard uh, it. We find out live fuck. on the podcast that we only have twelve more episodes left because I'm gonna die. <laughs> okay, here's what, here's what we're doing. We're we're bringing in a bottle of liquor, and depending that's on that's gonna Spencer's, just kill me faster. Well, Spencer's like says here I'm getting hit by a car in two weeks. <laughs> says here uh, I have a strong allergy to whiskey, uh, and if I drink some, I'm gonna die. Well, all right, then we'll just get a different bottle of booze, and we'll still drown your potential, <laughs> potentially life threatening diseases with alcohol. Yeah, of some you guys kind. throw me some money, I'll, I'll do it. We can right. uh, we can read the results on a, a future episode. Shit. We'll do a follow up. Shit, I'll. Oh man, be tight. I'm, I'm already anxious about just, knowing you know, your can, diseases. <laughs> I'm already anxious about knowing what might happen to you, bro. And then we don't even, it won't even, need, it'll be like the first not what if podcast. So it'll be like Google actually, has my DNA. I've actually really wanted to do <laughs> this. I've actually really wanted to do this because I don't know the, uh, like, I can't think of the word, where your family is from geographically. 
Um, yeah. Ancestry. Ancestry. I guess. Yeah. yeah. I think that was the word specific. we were struggling for, and then landed on earlier. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Ancestry, of I think. half of my family, because my dad was adopted. Oh sure. And so I, I've always wanted to know that stuff too. Like I know where two of my four grandparents are from, and not the other half. So that'd be fun to figure out too. Maybe we'll maybe we'll we'll start with the medical stuff, and then we'll end with like, hey, but. You're Croatian. Cool. <laughs> well, you're fifty percent Croatian. Uh, Maybe you won't be so hard on the Chinese anymore once you find out how much seventy-five <laughs> percent Chinese. No, Gattaca, man. Gattaca. All right, Yo, we're out of here. Max, good to see you, man. Thanks for being Thanks on. Thanks for having me. Uh, we'll do a follow-up. We'll have you back. We'll we'll do it again. Tight. This has been the What If Podcast, and uh, we love you. Bye. Peace see out. See ya. Thanks for listening to the What If Podcast. We'll be back next week with another episode. 